Joining us now, the television voice of your Indiana Pacers, Chris Denary. Chris, thanks for hopping on with us. How was your all-star break? Did you discover any new hobbies? Are you feeling well-rested heading down the stretch here? Uh, hey, and you guys, uh, a little throwback music. It reminded me of my college days uh, in Crawfordsville at Wabash with a little rubber band man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife and I were down in Myrtle Beach. Uh, our oldest son and daughter-in-law live there. He's been down there for 10 years. And uh, they are expecting our second grandson in July. Uh, currently, I have my uh, grandson here with me today. I'm, I'm back in, uh, in Carmel. Uh, but so we did a lot of painting and work around the house. So I, I can't say that it was really vacation, but it was great to see uh, Evan and Meredith because uh, we don't get to see them all that, you know, all that much since they're down in South Carolina. But uh, no, it was good. Um, I'm sort of back at it. I'm sitting here at my desk. My grandson, Archer, is taking a nap, and uh, I am uh, prepping for tomorrow night's game with the Celtics. Well, Archer's got the right idea on a gloomy Wednesday, for sure. There's He, he does. Uh, he does. We we did a little playing. I picked him up uh, at my son's house, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the dogs are sleeping here on the floor underneath my desk. Archer's sleeping, and uh, I might fall asleep, too. (laughs) Well, uh, before you do that, Chris, uh, just the NBA All-Star festivities, just how beneficial was everything to the Pacer brand itself? Because Matherin and Nemhard play well in the Rising Stars. Both Halliburton and Heald make the final in the three-point contest. Halliburton gets picked by Team LeBron to play in the All-Star game. Just so, from a Pacers perspective, how much of a positive impact does that have for the organization? I think it has a lot. I mean, you you have the young the, the young players, and I, I count Buddy Heald, even though he's a little older than the other guys. I mean, what he's done uh, this year uh, has been fantastic, leading the NBA in, in three-point shots. He's made 230. Uh, going into the final 22 games. And then you've got, you know, three young players. And, uh, you know, Halliburton, an all-star, he he can be a star in this league. We've seen Benedict Matter and what he's accomplished uh, through his first 60 games. And then uh, the number 31 pick. I mean, a second-round draft pick, it's a good, you know, one of the best, I think the best second-round contract in the history of the NBA in Andrew Nemhard and has stepped into the starting lineup and, and done a, a really good job. And so to see all those players recognized on a not just a national but an international stage i think is huge for the pacers brand television voice of your indiana pacers chris denary with us and and chris we we talked about it with uh scott agnes on monday just about kind of the next steps for this team for this organization like you mentioned you got Halliburton, the building blocks are kind of there. Uh, from your perspective, what's the next move heading into you know the end of this year, into next year, to where we're starting to say, yeah, we're going to see this team start to really be up there in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think one of the things that, that you do is in the final 22 games of the year, uh, you know, you put your best foot forward and, and put yourself in, in positions where – uh, you learn how to win, and and I think they did a really good job of that early in the year. Um, they've been one of the best clutch teams in the NBA. They did that in the final game before the All Star break. Now you don't want to get down 24 too often, but they were able to come back and rally against the Bulls. All of those things help you grow as a team, and each individual. Uh, what, what Rick Carlisle talks about a lot is, especially on the defensive end, is take care of your own business 
um, in, in how you are guarding your player because that's going to feed in, in in how the total team approaches its its defense. If if one man has a breakdown, then it really puts the onus on the other four. So I think individual improvement is key in these final 22 games. Uh, it'll be, I think, a very exciting summer uh, because the Pacers have three number one draft picks. They've got their own. Uh, they've got Boston's. They've got Cleveland's. Um, as Kevin Pritchard likes to say, a lot of optionality. Uh, you have a lot of cap space going into the year. So I think it's an exciting time. And, and I've been really pleased uh, with the, the atmosphere at Gamebridge Fieldhouse all year long, especially, I think, starting in December. You could just see that the fan base really enjoyed watching this team. And, and that continued, guys, even even through a stretch where they were losing 16 of 18. You were still having near sellout crowds. You were having a lot of enthusiasm because I think people understand what the long game is and that you're developing this this youthful core that has a chance to be really good down the stretch. Chris Aries with us here on The Fan. Chris, and you mentioned the 16 of 18, and hopefully the Pacers are able to get past that, beating the Bulls on Wednesday. But one of the bright spots, even more so, of that tough run Chris Duarte seemed to figure it out, especially in that Bulls game was really good. But in a number of those games where really in the grand scheme of things, the Pacers did not play well for much of the game, you know, Chris Duarte seemed to be back. So what was the difference for him in late January and here to start February for you? Is it just a matter of getting on the floor and uh, you know, kind of getting back in the swing of things with his shot? Yeah, I think that. And, you know, when you have an ankle injury, I mean, uh, th- that, that, that really impacts everything that you do. Uh, I mean, think about it just in everyday life. If you have a foot or an ankle injury, I mean, it's tough to get around. And he said that it really, you know, created some problems. And then when I think he came back early, he really tried to push things because he had been out of the rotation. Now you're trying to get back in the rotation and, you know, his shot wasn't where he wanted it to be. And, and, you know, his game, I think the first 13 or 14 games, he really struggled. And then he had a couple of games where he hit shots, got more confident. You know, I thought he was really good in in the Bulls game before the All-Star break in that third quarter. He had a double-figure quarter. Uh, So all those things are important. And, uh, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, had a a really good rookie season. He was second-team all-rookie. He averaged double figures. And that was despite missing, you know, I think 15 to 20 games at the end of the year with his toe injury. So, a lot of it, as players will tell you, it's all about confidence. And it's not just physical confidence. It's mental confidence that, that, you can, that you can handle what's in front of you. And so it's been good to see him rebound after a tough start when he came back uh, from the injury. That's Chris Sinari with us on the Fan Midday Show. And Chris, you mentioned earlier, uh, especially that 16 to 18, 16 out of 18 game stretch there where the Pacers just consistently found themselves in holes just like they did last Wednesday against Chicago. Is there something you can point to? I mean, what 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 has been the issue that has made it to where every other night it feels like you're looking up and they're down 15 in the first quarter? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I mean, uh, I, I don't know how you can put a finger on it because – Rick Carlisle, even uh, in in that Chicago game, made a change in the starting lineup. He inserted T.J. McConnell and and brought Andrew Nemhart off the bench, and then they were down 24. Uh, what was it, 39 to 15 at the end of the first quarter? And he said, "Well, that apparently didn't work." Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's um, 
you know, a lot of times it's the offense, and then there are times it's the defense, and and they they struggle stopping people in that initial quarter. It's been interesting because the first and the third quarters have been the Pacers' poorest quarters of the year, and the second and the fourth, they're right up there either first or second as far as points scored and margin. Uh, so it, it's pretty interesting to look at. Um, you know, why they've been so poor in the first and third quarters. The one thing is this group always believes it can get back in a game. Uh, Thirteen times they've rallied to win, uh, trailing by double figures. That's tied for number one in the NBA. Three times they've trailed by as many as 20 points and won, and that's the most in the NBA. So the one thing you can say about this group is even if they get down, they have a lot of confidence that they can fight their way back in. Chris, listening to the Rising Stars game uh, here at Aired on the Fan with Mark Kesteser and PJ Carlissimo, uh, you know Andrew Nemhard. I think he had one terrific like behind the back pass, didn't score much. But you know Benedict Mathurin, he he went and scored, and it seems like even as just like Chris Duarte dur- during the Pacers stretch where they were struggling, he could still get Ben Mathurin pretty much automatic for ten points plus. Uh, he has pinpointed a lot to Rick Carlisle really pushing him in his rookie season. Why do you think Rick is the best available, best option coach for Matherin in his rookie year based on what you've seen and how he coaches him? Well, I think the one thing is, you know, he has a proven track record. He's won a title. Uh, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Fame coach. And uh, he is the, the consummate teacher. Um, and he enjoys teaching the game of basketball. And I think Benedict recognizes that. I mean, Rick will say that numerous times Matherin has come to him and say, Hey, coach me hard. I can take it. Let me know what I'm doing wrong. You don't have to tell me everything that I'm doing right all the time. And the guy is just a competitor. I mean, you can tell that when you're on the bus with him, you can tell it when he walks into a shoot around, when he walks into a practice. I mean, this is a young man that is focused and, and he wants to be the best that he can be. And I'm not saying that every player doesn't want that, but some some players maybe wanted a little bit more, and uh, he clearly has a mindset that he wants to be the best that he can be. And uh, if you look over the first 60 games, sure, he's had uh, he had about a, a three or four game stretch where he averaged nine points per game, but that's been few and far between. Um, I mean, this is a guy that you know has been in double figures in 51 of the 60 games. Uh, he's had 24, 25, 20-point games. I mean, he's doing things that normal rookies just don't do. Uh, so I think the sky's the limit for this young man, and he has a chance to be what Tyrese Halliburton was this year, and that's be an all-star. Now with those two, Chris, uh, and Halliburton and, and Matherin, are we looking at hopefully you know potential? Do, do they have the potential combined um, to be one of those one-two punches that so often, unfortunately, in the past, uh, the Pacers have been on the short end of where, you know, whether it's a Dwayne Wade, LeBron James type of, of, of duo. Can you see that five years from now, seven years from now, where, where Matherin and Halliburton are two of the guys in the league that, that uh, really put the Pacers up near the top year in and year out? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, they they play different positions than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, uh, who we'll see tomorrow night at Gamebridge Fieldhouse with the Celtics. But, um, you know, they're as talented a duo as there is in the NBA. And there's no reason why Matherin and Halliburton can't be that, just maybe in a different way. Uh, You've got a point guard and a a two or a three 
whereas Jalen Brown and, and Tatum, you know, play anywhere from the two to the four spot. You know, in this day and age, Quinn Buckner and I talk about this all the time, it's, it's almost as if position is irrelevant anymore. I mean, you, you, you have guards, you have wings, you have a big person. Um, so I, I do think that those two can be really, really special. And I think one of the biggest things that happened for the Pacers happened a few weeks ago, and that's Miles Turner committing uh, to wanting to be a, a part of this franchise and, and the Pacers wanting him to be a part of the franchise. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, in eight years has, has grown as a member of the Pacers. We've seen him grow up before our eyes. And, and he wants to experience, you know, getting the Pacers back to where they feel they belong. And, you know, we were all around, you know, back in the 90s with Reggie and, and going to the finals in 2000, uh, 12, 13, and 14, uh, those really good Pacers teams that uh, in 12 made it to the Eastern Conference semis and 13 and 14 made it to the Eastern Conference finals. I mean, that's what Pacers fans want, and that's what these players want. And so I think with the trio of Halliburton, Matherin, and Turner, and, and then all these other young pieces, uh, I mean, you look down the road, there are going to be a lot of these teams that are above them, that are older, they're going to have to retool. Well, the Pacers have already done that. And uh, I, I think one of the teams that you know we saw before the All-Star break is Chicago. I mean, Chicago was built to be a contender this year at some point with Vucevic and Levine and DeRozan, and here they are only a half game ahead of the Pacers uh, what, an 11th in the Eastern Conference. So at, at some point over the course of the next, you know, two, three years, there's going to be a changing of the guard, and you're going to see some of these younger teams vault uh, to where they're contending in the Eastern Conference. Kristen Airy is our guest here on the Fan Midday Show. I'm Brendan King with Joey Molinaro. Uh, Chris, you alluded to Reggie Miller and years of the past, but I thought it was really cool all-Star weekend you know Reggie's on hand for the skills competition and three-point contests and you know he's hyping up Tyrese Halliburton he's hyping up Buddy Heald from a national perspective with the media how beneficial is it that Reggie is giving his endorsement and his stamp of approval on what the Pacers are doing right now I mean it's huge and uh, you know I hear from Reggie via Twitter all the time I mean He's a guy that even though he lives out West and even though he's traveling to do games on TNT, he is a regular viewer of Pacers basketball. I mean, you don't spend 18 years, your entire NBA career with a franchise and, and not pay attention. And so I do think it's, it's very important to have somebody like Reggie Miller, um, you know, an all-timer, a hall of famer um, who, who continues to beat the drum uh, for the Indiana Pacers. What do we have to do to get a Reggie Miller statue out there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse? <laughs> we got all these renovations going on, Chris. I think I think we need one of him and one of Slick Leonard. What do you think? Yeah, hey, I'd be all for that. I mean, those are uh, you know, there's so many people that help build the Pacers franchise, and um, I think those are two names that 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 you mentioned. You know, when you think about Slick and Nancy and what they've meant uh, to the franchise, it's great. I, I get to see Nancy virtually every night. Uh, she sits just to the right of Quinn and I, and wow, it's nice cool. to give her a hug and and uh, you know know how special she is. And when we are out and about, um, you know, throughout the country, and there are Pacers fans, I'm going to tell you, it seems like 80 to 90 percent of the fans that live in another city or live in another country, when you ask them why are you a Pacers fan, 
they will say Reggie Miller. <laughs> I mean, he is the guy uh, for a lot of these, you know, younger Pacers fans in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s. Uh, they remember watching Reggie, and uh, that's that's why they become a Pacer fan, no matter where they live uh, in the country or the world. Let's just say that that was to happen, okay? With with the renovations, they say, oh, yeah, announcement, Reggie Miller statue happening. What would you choose to be? How he's in frame forever? What what uh, would it be? A shooting stance? Would it be the choke sign from Madison Square Garden? What would it be? <laughs> I think it'd be a shooting. You know, with you know, it, it's funny because so many people ask Ty, uh, Rick Carlisle. They'll ask Tyree Talliburton, "Hey, why didn't somebody change your shot?" And I would say, "Well, nobody changed Reggie's shot." You know, I, yeah. I would have that 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 right arm flying in the air, right as he <laughs> as he let fly a twenty five footer. I, I definitely think you'd want Reggie shooting a three. Chris, uh, last thing for me here. There's been a lot of discussion over the last few days about the All Star Game itself and kind of how bad it was. It's just from a playing perspective. How would you change it to make it more competitive? Do you have any bright ideas? You know, it's really interesting because I thought a few years ago it was really good. Um, and, and I'll say this, Quinn and I had a chance in 2015 and 2017 uh, to go to South Africa. And the NBA played a couple of uh, all-star exhibition games over there. It was like the world against Team Africa. And so it was players who had a heritage uh, of, of African heritage. In fact, that's the first time I met Victor Oladipo. Uh, over there in 2017, but he played on Team Africa, and then you had Team World. And, guys, those were two highly competitive um, all-star games, and they were played in the dead of the summer. And so, you know, I know that they went away from East-West. I thought thought a few years ago it was very, very competitive. I was disappointed this year in watching it. Um, and, and when it started out, I thought, okay, at some point it will change. You know, as you go to the third quarter, you go to the fourth quarter. Um, I, you know, I, I know that players are concerned. They are the value, in, in, not that it's different from a few years ago, but the value is winning a championship. And so I think some players want to make sure that they're healthy going into the final 20 games of the season. And they're maybe a little leery of that situation, but it, it's something that I think you've got to look at because, like I said, I, I thought a couple of years ago uh, the All-Star game had gotten back to uh, a very competitive level. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. There, there are a lot of people you know, far smarter than me that will try to figure it out, but um, – like I said, back in 15 and 17 in the summer, um, those were really, really good games over in South Africa, and, and you'd like to see that type of game again uh, in the All-Star game. What's it been like having George Hill back in the building? It's been cool. Um, it, it was funny because, uh, what was it, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we were in Milwaukee, um, and George came over and visited with a lot of us, and you know, it was almost you're sitting there with him like he never left. I mean, he was a part of those Pacers teams I was talking about in 12, 13, and 14 that uh, were so good and, and, you know, put the Pacers right in the NBA spotlight. And so I think to have him back, he loves Indianapolis. Um, you know, he'll tell you he never wanted to leave in the first place. He was involved in the three-team trade that he went to Utah and the Pacers picked up Jeff Teague. Uh, but I think to have him back – 
Um, you know, we don't know how much he'll play. We saw him the first game, did not see him against the Bulls. But I think what he can provide in the locker room and on the bench along somebody, alongside somebody like James Johnson, he can really be an asset to the coaching staff because he has experienced Pacers basketball at perhaps the highest level possible other than playing in an NBA Finals. And he has played in an NBA Finals with Cleveland. So I, I just think uh, his ability to relate to this young group and help coach them through uh, the experiences that he's had uh, will only be an asset to this uh, roster and this organization. That's Chris Denary with us on the Fan Midday Show. Chris, um, ho- glad you were able to enjoy some time with the family over the All-Star break, but uh, I know we're looking forward to Pacers basketball being back tomorrow night uh, with the Boston Celtics coming to town. Appreciate the time, sir. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Chris. Join us right now on the hotline here on The Fan. Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Cap, question number one. I am Chris Ballard. You are Ryan Poles. I am asking for the number one overall pick from the Chicago Bears. Your asking Mm -hmm. price at this moment is what, my man? Oh, boy. Well, you're at number four, so it starts with number four, probably your second-round pick, and your number one next year. You don't want any players? I don't think you guys are going to give away players that I actually want. Like, you give me Quentin Nelson? Okay, I'm in. You giving me DeForest Buckner? I'm in. You're going to throw some 32-year-old veteran at me? No, I'm not interested. <laughs> now, in place of that... I want really good players. In place of that, you, you mentioned three of those picks, and I feel like that's correct. But you know, instead of a player, are we bumping that up to four picks, five picks, if there's no player involved. Um, I don't think they're good. Look, there's no Trevor Lawrence at the top of this draft. There is no Joe Burrow at the top of this draft. When Patrick Mahomes came out, he was the 42nd ranked prospect from ESPN. He was not the number one guy in the draft. So. If you tell me Peyton Manning is at the top of the draft, yeah, then the price gets exorbitant. Or I'm keeping the player trading you fields. There is no – Bryce Young comes with warts now. He's a very, very good football player. He's 5'10", 188. That's awfully slight to be getting the crap beaten out of you 17 games a year and thinking that's your future. Where Justin Fields is 6'3", 232 pounds. Uh, I personally, if I'm the Bears, I'm all in keeping Justin Fields. I will trade you the pick if you want to go down that road. And I don't think I'm going to get the haul that everyone else thinks. I'm going to get good players back. I'm going to get the number four, as I said, your second and number one next year. So I'll have two number ones next year. And maybe I can make another deal and move back from four to eight or nine, so someone else gets a crack at a quarterback, and I can get another number one because I want to package it up to get Marvin Harrison in my uniform Mm. next year. There's a lot of folks around here, Cap, that I would love to see Marvin Harrison Jr. in a Colts uniform. But he's talking about the Bears, brother. Yeah, I know. I know, but people around here want him more. I mean, they got the – Cap, what would benefit the Bears more, though? Would it benefit the Bears – to stockpile all those picks that would come along with trading back? Or knowing Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy, would you want to get one of the young defensive studs, Anderson, Carter, in a Bears uniform with that top pick? What what's benefits more? 
Uh, I think I can get one of those defensive studs at number four if I trade you number one. Because you're taking a quarterback. Houston's taking a quarterback. So I'm now guaranteed that I'm getting Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at number four. So I got no issues with that. I'll take either one. I need a rush in. We're the worst rush team in the league in terms of defensive pressure on the quarterback. And we're the worst run-stopping team. So I'll take either one of those, dude. David Kaplan joins us. David, what what do you make – have you seen the – interactions that Jim Irsay has been throwing out there, the little hints, the droplings of his <laughs> relationship with the Bears, and do you know at all if uh, they feel the same way back to him? I don't think there have been any conversations. Let's not forget, go back through and look when the deal for Carson Wentz to go up to Philly, when that deal was made, the deal to get Jared Goff to the L.A. Rams, when that deal was made. Those trades go down after the Indianapolis Combine, after the medicals are released, after you have guys on your or in your facility. You can only bring, I think it's 30 this year, that you could bring to your building at all positions. So there's not a lot in terms of getting trades done now. There's, I don't see that there's been any discussions other than, hey, man, we're interested, so let us know when you make a decision on what you're going to do. And then these guys will all see each other at the Combine so they'll get their 15-minute interview with all the players that are there. They'll get the medical reports that everybody sees. Then they hand those to their doctors, and they go, hey, I'd like you to look at this guy, Randall, and I'm really interested in him playing cornerback for me. Well, we're looking at his medicals, and we don't like what we see here. So that's how this whole process is going to play out. Hmm. Cap, I'm flying to Naples tomorrow from O'Hare, so looking forward to listening tomorrow morning. But oh, the best. Oh, Naples man. is awesome. Going to see the folks. Can't wait. But, uh, you know, down here in Indy, I don't listen to as much Chicago sports radio, obviously, but is the Justin Fields trade talk, is that all media stuff, or is there any truth yeah. to that the Bears would let him go? I don't see a scenario where the Bears are trading it. I don't see any scenario. That would be... For me, that would be shocking, and I would think Ryan Poles has lost his mind. So I'm going to give up a guy who I've had for two years who is beloved in the building. Two days after the season ended, Iberflus gave everybody a bunch of time off, and they said they went in the weight room, and there's a guy soaked in sweat. And who is it? It's Justin Fields. Hey, man, i got to get my body stronger. So he has got a great work ethic. He's a great dude. He has come out multiple times and said, I love Chicago and I want to own that city. I want to be there my entire career. They're not trading this guy. No shot. David, what happens first? The Chicago Cubs make an appearance in the World Series again or the Chicago Mm -hmm. Bears are in the Super Bowl? Cubs in the World Series before the Bears are in the Super Bowl. 100%. Cubs have a top 10 farm system. I think they're, I'm not telling you they're a great team this year, but they're certainly going to be I think better than the Vegas win total of 77 and a half if they stay healthy. So I would be very surprised if you told me that one of those two franchises won a championship and it wasn't the Cubs first. Cap, taking a peek at the Cubbies and looking forward to hopefully having you back in South Bend at some point this coming summer to see the boys. But when you pair the farm system, I saw a video the other day of PCA taking live BP off of Marcus Stroman. I mean, that that's Mm -hmm. the future and the present right there. But when you sign a Dansby Swanson, when you sign a Cody Bellinger, and 
be it Cody Bellinger's probably the bridge to getting PCA in center field at Wrigley Field. Ian Happ's, though, coming off a gold glove. Seiya Suzuki in year two in a Cubs uniform. How good can this team be? Is this wild card? Is this better than wild card? What do you think? Well, it's not a great division. Like, the Cardinals are the best team in the division. Milwaukee never spends any money. They've got their, you know, last nickel they got at their first communion. They just don't – They for whatever reason, they do not push their money in there anytime they have a team that looks like, hmm, might need to take a little extra and get it done. So, I think the Cubs can compete with anyone in that division. The Reds aren't trying. The Pirates are a triple-A team. Tell me the Cubs can't compete? I won't believe it unless they're not healthy. Okay, that, that was going to be my question. Is it, is it health? Is it the you know maybe lack of bats? Are you worried about lack of bats at all in that lineup, or, or no? I'm not. I think that they have gone out and addressed some of the weaknesses in that lineup. I think they're the best defensive team in the National League. So I, I think it's a good baseball team. Again, I'm not telling you they're the Dodgers, but I'm telling you they're vastly improved with the top 10 farm system. And I was texting with PCA the other day, the best. And he's the best. The I love best, this man. kid. And then I was texting with Matt Mervis. Merv! And Mervis is going to be a really good player for this team. Really good. So I'm looking forward to – he probably starts at AAA. Yeah. Now, if Trey Mancini has this great start or Eric Hosmer, then maybe he's a AAA all year. But he's got a chance to be a really, really good player for the Chicago Cubs at some point. Cap, no lie, I'm wearing a shirt – from obvious shirts, Mash Mervis right now. Uh, Merv, obviously. I have that. Yeah. (laughs) Merv started the year with us last year, which is wild to think about and and how quickly he took off. But looking at the starting rotation, you put Jamison Tyone in there, Marcus Stroman at the top, Kyle Hendricks hopefully back healthy, and then Joey and I, before you came on, we're just talking about a Justin Steele, and then Hayden Wesneski has a chance to be your number five, and he's so talented at a young age. How good is the rotation? The rotation has a chance to be really good. Now, that's is Kyle Hendricks healthy? If Kyle Hendricks is pitching every fifth day, then I think it's a pretty darn good rotation with uh, Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele and Jameis and Tyone and Kyle Hendricks and Hayden Wisniewski and Drew Smiley. Like, they've got some depth in their rotation. But if Kyle Hendricks isn't healthy – then you got a big question mark. Is Hayden Wisniewski all of six starts in the big leagues ready to go every fifth day? I'm not sure of that, but we're going to find out. I think it's a real interesting season for the Cubs. A lot, not a lot of expectation, a lot of upside. That's David Kaplan with us on the fan, and and a lot has been made over the past handful of seasons, uh, David, about you know the spending from the Cubs, and and they were active in free agency. You know, brought in a lot of different faces. They got Danzy Swanson this past off season. Um, do you think that they're going to be able to be in the talks for Shohei Otani? Is, is that the next big guy that you're going to put the Cubs, you know, kind of in talks with there or, or, or no, are they still going to kind of take the same approach? Well, they spent over 300 million this year. They signed more free agents than any other team in baseball. Yep. So they just, they needed to reset and they did just that. And then say Suzuki said the other day, they asked say Hey, you're playing in the World Baseball Classic. Your teammate Shohei Otani and his agent just came out and said he's going to and has earned the right to test free agency. So, are you going to talk to him about coming to the Cubs? And say his response was, "I've invited him <laughs> to be a Cub." And so, I immediately started my radio show yesterday talking about how Joe Johnson, the president and owner of Obvious Shirts, 
needs to have a shirt that says, I've invited him, say it. <laughs> and do you know, I got a text five minutes later, your shirts will be ready at noon. And he had them yesterday for me. <laughs> That's how Joe works. Joe's the best. Yeah, absolutely. Joe's, Joe's the greatest. Absolute best. Cap, would you say, and Jed Hoyer was pretty brutally honest about what it would take to get the Cubs back competing. Are, are they ahead of schedule? Are they right on schedule? Yeah, they're ahead. Ahead of schedule. No doubt in my mind ahead of schedule. Uh, I think the farm system came a little bit more quickly than they thought it would. And I think when they were able to get Dansby Swanson and Jamison Tyone, two guys that had a lot of suitors, I think they feel like division's not like brutally awesome. It's not the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays and Toronto and Boston. I think they feel like they've got a chance to be solid. They, they believe internally 2024 is much more likely to be a playoff game. You mentioned Joe Johnson, uh, David, and I go to Obvious Shirts Instagram, and on President's Day the other day, they put up a Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. They put up Ernie Banks, Fergie Jenkins, mm-hmm. Ron Santo, and Ryan Sandberg as the Cubs' Mount Rushmore. Do you agree with that four, or is there anybody else that you'd put in there? Wow. Uh, I would definitely have Ernie Banks. Oh, Billy Williams has to be on there. Okay. 100%. Who's he taking so the place Ernie, of? Ernie, Billy, because of his broadcasting and Hall of Fame playing career, Ronnie Santo is three. Uh, you, who'd they have? Uh, Rhino, Rhino. Who's the other one? Uh, Fergie and, and Ron Santo. Okay, so I did not put Fergie on there. I would probably go Rhino, Santo, Ernie, and Billy. I, it's, it's really hard to disagree, and I and I and I totally understand if this is insane, which it probably is. But is there any part to where you look at an argument like that, and because that the 2016 team was able to get it done, does any of those guys, does a Rizzo, because he's got the ring, make it on there, or at least have an argument? No, no, not any of those guys. Add them together, they don't get on there. No, not a chance. Not one guy on that team is going to the Hall of Fame. Not one. Yeah, that's true. And I, the guys that I put on my Mount Rushmore are all Hall of Fame players. Mm. I just didn't know if the ring, you know, finally bringing it there uh, trumped anything, but I get it. That's fair. Well, then why don't you just give it to Araldis Chapman because he was amazing in the three months he pitched with the Cubs. All right. I, mean, I think it's a little <laughs> bit different than the argument I'm making. Okay, give it to Jake. Okay, give it to Jake Arrieta then. And he doesn't belong. He wasn't. No, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, hey, Cap, the Pacers just played the Bulls last Wednesday. Wanted to get your mm-hmm. thoughts on the Bulls not doing anything at the trade deadline. Is is that a topic in the city right now, or are they kind of taking back seat? Oh, no, no, that's a topic. And sadly, we have an overmatched front office that if I bought the team, they'd be fired tonight. They, those guys are, I think, embarrassingly bad on how they, A, constructed the roster, and B, have done nothing. They picked up Pat Beverly off the scrap heap. That's fine. Uh, they did nothing at the trade deadline. And I knew and said it a million times, they don't have enough shooting. I was not the only one saying this. I was not some you know, clairvoyant person. They need to add more shooting. They went into this season and added exactly zero shooters. None. Lonzo Ball, they knew before the season – we got a problem here. He's probably not going to play at the start of the season. Now he's out for the year. He's going to miss 
you know, a year and a half of his NBA career, and they did not add a backup point guard. And Goran Dragic is not the answer to that question. So this is an incompetent front office. Sad to say, but that's my opinion. David Kaplan, ESPN 1000 in Chicago with us here on The Fan. Cap, looking forward to seeing you hopefully in South Bend this season. Appreciate the time very much, my man. Anytime. You're the man. Enjoy Naples. Thanks, Cap. David Kaplan with us on The Fan. We got Fletcher Lawyer getting ready to join us, the freshman guard for Purdue. Comes in. We talked about it earlier. Uh, he throws himself right into uh, the fire. Him and Braden Smith back there in the backcourt um, for the Purdue Boilermakers. And all of a sudden, you come into a season, start unranked, and then before you know it, they're number one in the nation. So Fletcher Lawyer joining us now. Fletcher, I appreciate the time. We appreciate you joining us. What's this uh, handful of days off been like here for you guys? A little bit of a different stretch for you, not having games? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. But um yeah, it's a little bit different of a week. Get to sit back and watch some college basketball and uh, just get to spend some time on your own, work out, and then be ready to go and practice. Yeah, Fletcher, how unique is that when you play in a conference like the Big Ten, a lot of times you're playing every other day, every two days, to have this much time off to recover before what's obviously going to be a physical game at Mackey on Saturday? Yeah, it's definitely different. You're used to uh, having two-day preps, watching watching film, getting their scout down, and then having to travel to the next uh, college town so when you get this much time off you get to really focus on your body and uh, just be ready to go for the upcoming game that is Fletcher Lawyer from the Purdue Boilermakers joining us on the fan midday show now IU played last night it was a late tip I saw on Instagram that you were out catching some high school hoops Fletcher but then uh, you and the boys get together and check out uh, the Spartans and the Hoosiers at all yeah I uh, went and watched my high school play game and then got to catch most of that game so it was cool to to watch that and see what we need to focus on as uh, Michigan State beat them, so kind of just do what they did a little bit. Now, are you guys, is that like a, you know, a very serious, you guys are breaking down film there, hey, we're watching this, this is what we've got to watch out for on Saturday, or are you, you know, having a little pizza, kind of hanging with the boys, all right, just kind of getting a feel for it. What's the, what's the environment like in a situation like that? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Obviously, you're hanging, relaxing, but uh, when you're watching it, you're breaking it down a little bit in your head, seeing what they did differently. But uh, ultimately, it's a, it's a good time to relax and chill. Fletcher, in your first college basketball season, experiencing the Big Ten grind for the first time, is there anything you've learned about the physicality and how you need to prepare your body when you're playing so often, especially, and again, you're getting this week to rest and prepare for Indiana, but physically, how did you have to prepare yourself to play so many games in a short matter of days preparing for that yeah it's obviously different than high school high school you just went to class every day showed up for practice and then went and played a game now now it's a business you gotta be ready to go you gotta take care of your body whether it's getting the ice bath or just getting a good amount of sleep so really it's just taking care of it working hard in the weight room in the summer and being ready to go once you gotta play two to three games a week that's Fletcher lawyer uh Fletcher you you have you know heavy influence of freshmen in the backcourt obviously you Braden, yeah. you feel like the the circuit that you guys played, whether it's AAU, you know, Braden was playing Indiana high school basketball, uh, has made it an easier transition for you guys to come in freshmen and be able to go on the road in the Big Ten and play in those tough environments. Yeah, uh, I played in the UIBL, which is the Nike circuit, and uh, with all the athleticism that they have on that and all the talent, it definitely helped with the uh, 
the amount of uh, talent you're going against and being ready to go against that. But uh, the environment is something you can't really compare for, uh, prepare for. you got to just have the mental mindset to go in there and uh, kind of block everything out and play your own game, whether they're yelling at you or whether it's a home game that's really loud in there. What's been the toughest place you've played so far on the road in your college career? I would say Michigan State and IU were two of the tougher ones, obviously. Uh, we lost at IU, but uh, it was fun to go into Michigan State and beat them up. Fletcher Lawyers, our guest. Fletcher, actually, EYBL, my senior year at Butler, I broadcasted an EYBL tournament here in Indy. That was like when Marvin Bagley and yeah. RJ Barrett were in town. Your brother played in it, so I got to do a few of your brother's games. Uh, what's the difference getting coached in like AAU versus getting coached in college? Yeah, college, it's it's more of like, it's really a business, like I like to call it. It's, uh, it's a job you got to go in every day and prepare for. Uh, AAU, you're kind of going out, showcasing showcasing your talents, but also you're uh, looking to win. And uh, when you got college coaches there watching, you got to, you got to play and you got to play the right way for them to, for them to scout you. But um, college, it's a, it's a business every day. You're going in and competing for a job. With this little bit of a break you guys have um, without playing a game, you know, Sunday to Saturday here, what's been the message from Coach Painter? Has it, has it changed at all? Has it stayed consistent throughout the year? Just this week in terms of, hey, not only do we have this break where we, we're not in game action, but also you got our big rival. You know, we got the Hoosiers coming to town on Saturday night. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, It's been the same message all year. Just show up, do your job, play play hard and play smart and uh, i think we've done that and um ultimately with this with this week the rest we're really just focusing on ourselves making sure we're ready to go to close up this stretch of these last three games fletcher what's the vibe like on campus right now i'm sure in the coming days if not probably tomorrow people are going to start camping out students are going to be getting their seats and um be competing for those but have you been stopped more often than this week than (laughs) than previous about what's coming up on saturday yeah, since ever since the Big Ten play started, it's been a lot of getting noticed a lot more, uh, talking to a lot more fans, taking pictures with people. But uh, with this, you can feel the energy building up on campus. A lot of people talking about uh, how it's going to be a real fun weekend going out, and um, hopefully, just uh, we can put up a banner with the with uh, these few wins we got to do. So I just say the energy building up coming for this game Saturday for sure. That's Fletcher Lawyer uh, with us on the fan midday show and Fletcher you know, a lot has made um you know unfortunately you know the last few years a lot has been made the, the fact that you know Purdue just hasn't been able to, to to crack into that final four to finally get there get over that hump right mm-hmm. um now as, as coming in as a, as a freshman as a young kid uh does that creep into the the locker room at all do you guys start feeling that is it ever or are you just so young you don't even realize that Purdue hasn't been to a final four in, in 40 years or whatever I mean, yeah, you definitely realize it because you look up and see the banners that every every gym has in their arena. And when you don't see one from pretty recent, you wanna you wanna do something about it. And um, I'd say the the way the guys talk about how they felt last year after they had a had a real talented team and a real good team and could have made a Final Four, uh, you just don't want that feeling. So I think we're all focusing on doing our jobs and coming in each and every day to not let that happen, so we can play hard and uh, hopefully go out there and win. Fletcher, what have you? heard about what it's like to play in the NCAA tournament because you're getting ready to do that either from what your brother has told you and his previous experiences or the older guys on the team what do you anticipate playing in the NCAA tournament as a freshman is going to be like for yourself 
just just a real special event. Obviously, it's something you grow up watching. You grow up watching highlights of crazy March Madness upsets and stuff like that. So I would just say it's going to be real special, something you can't take for granted. But also, you're going in there to win. And uh, when you're going in to win, and uh, so is everybody else, you got you got one mindset and you got to do whatever you got to do. Uh, go in there, whether you play real good or real bad, you got to be ready to go to win the next game. What's your favorite March Madness moment or upset of all time? Of all time? I mean, I, I would obviously say probably the Virginia, when Virginia lost as the one seed. But uh, mm. I think it's real cool watching all the buzzer beaters. But definitely watching Jimmer Fredette highlights. That was those are real cool to watch for sure. You and the boys throwing that on on YouTube is that a you know Friday night viewing for you, Jimmer Fredette oh, highlights? Yeah. Well, Jimmer Fredette highlights, you can't go wrong. With Gus Johnson on the call too, no, you can't go wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the goat. Gotta, gotta love Gus Johnson. Uh, Fletcher, like I said, I'm a Butler alum, so I got to know Terry Johnson pretty well uh, during yeah. his run at Butler. He coached in a final, two Final Fours, obviously. First of all, number one, how's Coach T doing? And then secondly, how much has he helped you defense? Yeah, so Terry's Terry's been great. He actually works with us a lot on offense. He's out there calling plays. Um, he's calling plays, and uh, we run through him every day in practice. So I'd say he's helped me a little bit more offensively, just reading defenses, reading uh, coverages and pick and roll and stuff like that, and uh, really just watching film with him, seeing what I can do offensively. All right, Fletcher Lawyer, our guest here. Um, Fletcher, finish this sentence for me. Uh, Purdue gets the job done, beats Indiana on Saturday, if they do blank. And obviously score more points is the easiest one, okay? But, like, what's the key? What's what's Coach Painter <laughs> yeah. telling you? What's the, what are we focusing in on? I would just say coming ready to play. They, uh, they got off to a good start in that first half at Assembly Hall. Uh, we had quite a few turnovers, so – I'll just say we come ready to play. We throw that little first punch, uh, kind of what we we like to call it. It's, uh, we got to go out there and win each and every media timeout. So going out, throwing that first punch is what we got to do. What is uh, – is it impossible to just go to the grocery store anywhere with Zach Eady? I mean, like walking around with a guy that's that good, one, but then the fact that he's 7'4", if you haven't heard, that's got to be a challenge, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, we talk about we get noticed quite a bit. We can't imagine imagine being seven four out there and everyone everyone knows your face. So, I mean, you go you go to Chipotle and you got you got to take thirty pictures with the guys. So, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's pretty cool at the same time, but uh, it's definitely definitely an experience going somewhere with that guy. That's Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, guard for the Purdue Boilermakers will be out there on Saturday, Mackey Arena. Fletcher, really appreciate it, man. Best of luck on Saturday, and uh, hope to talk to you soon, buddy. For sure. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Fletcher.